Hello. For Wellness Month in August, today on Try Catch, we're going to talk about something that matters to all of us in the workforce. How can you absolutely suck at deprioritizing yourself within your workday? But before we start, I'm going to have one of our guest speakers and wellness provider yoga teacher, Maude Moreno, lead us through a very quick breathing meditation. Maude. Thanks, Natalie. Hello, everyone. Before we start, I just want to state that some of you may be driving or doing something active as you're listening to this, but do the best you can without losing sight of the road or sight of the activity that you are doing. So let's begin. Please take a nice, comfortable seat ensuring that your feet are flat on the floor or on the ground. And unless you are driving, close your eyes or just keep your eyelids heavy. Keep your spine long, your chest open, your fingers relaxed. Tell yourself that you were meant to be here, listening or even watching, and that this brief practice is going to be helpful. Let's take a nice inhale through the nose. And then open your mouth and sigh it out. Ah. Let's take an inhale again through the nose. Let it out through the mouth. Ah. One more time. Let's do that. Inhale in. And then let the breath go. With closed lips, keep inhaling through the nose and gently out through the nose as well. And try to do that one more time. Inhale through nose. Exhale through nose. And if exhaling out through the nose is not comfortable, just exhale slowly through the mouth with the teeniest, tiniest possible gap. Now visualize your torso like a balloon. And the next time you inhale, the balloon inflates 360 degrees. And the next time you exhale, you are back to home base. Breathe in to inflate. Breathe out, deflate, and you're back to home base. Do this a few more times, breathing as softly as you can with the intention of releasing tension when you exhale. Focus on that inhale. Focus on that exhale. Zoning in on the coming in and the ballooning of your torso. That takes your mind away from ruminating thoughts. So keep breathing, but let the breath be your most obvious guide in our last few moments here. Taking your last inhale, lifting your shoulders up towards the ears. And then exhale, wow, let the shoulders go. Let's do that one more time. Inhale, shoulders up towards the ears. Exhale, drop the shoulders. Now open your eyes and notice how you feel in the two minutes and 40 seconds that we did that. That's it, Natalie. Thank you, Maude. I needed that. <laughs> I've been going, it's been, yeah, I've been going from one thing to another. And 
I feel grounded, and that was refreshing. So, listeners, that was just a taste of what's to come in this conversation. So, who are we to talk about how to absolutely suck at deprioritizing yourself within your workday? Because I'll admit, I know I'm bad at it. Um, but let's introduce yourselves because we have people that are better at it and have good advice. I am Natalie, your host and a lead developer at Farm Credit Services of America. Along with me is my coworker, Jen Johnson, an organizational development and learning coordinator at Farm Credit Service of America. Jen, can you explain more um, about you and your role? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Natalie and Maude. Thanks for having me on the podcast today. I'm super excited and thrilled to be here to talk about wellness. Um, It's something I'm really passionate about. Uh, Just a little bit of background about me. I started with FCS America about seven years ago in the Lincoln Retail Office. I've been on the ODL team for about the last five of those seven years. And so, yeah, part of my role is actually overseeing our organization's well-being initiatives and well-being strategy. So when you invited me to join the podcast, um, I was really honored and humbled, and I'm just excited to be here um, to be part of the conversation today. Awesome. Now, our guest speaker, Maude Moreno. Maude worked in the IT industry for 24 years, so she knows about that world. Maude is four and a half years Farm Credit Services America before moving to Charlotte, North Carolina. She is a certified yoga teacher and therapist, meditation and mindful facilitator, and functional movement specialist, and a lot more. Maude, would you like to tell us more about yourself and what got you into the space of wellness and corporate wellness? Thank you so much, Ali. Hi again, and I am also very, very honored to be here today with my former alma mater, if you call that, a <laughs> former employer. <laughs> like Natalie said, I was an FCSA employee for four and a half years before I moved to Charlotte in 2015. Um, so what got me into the wellness space, like most people who find themselves in the wellness space, I have had quite the journey over two decades. Um, but in 2002, I was just mere 25 years old, quarter-life crisis. I had multiple bouts of panic attacks, fainting spells that took me to the ER. And the conclusion was that I was not taking care of myself. I was burnt out, eating the wrong things, doing the wrong things. You know, your quarter life, you're 25, you think you're invincible. And my doctor eventually suggested that I take a sabbatical from my job because my body was about to break down. It was really getting worse. So I quit my job at the time, the first time, and I discovered yoga. So fast forward in 2021, 19 years later, I fell really ill and I got diagnosed with a neurological anomaly, generally referred to as a dysautonomia. I basically have an autonomic nervous system that is dysfunctional. And so I had been working in IT, like Natalie said, since 1998, product manager, project manager. And at the time in 2021, I was in the UX space as a design operations lead for a leading pharmaceutical company. And I had lost my A-game. I could not facilitate meetings, could not read what was in front of me. Some days I couldn't even go to the bathroom without holding my husband's hand. It was pretty bad. And so I decided to quit my job (laughs) for good, January of last year, 2022, and decided seven months later to put my entire heart and focus into my yoga career, spreading the word of yoga therapy, mindfulness, and functional movement. And I decided to focus on the corporate space 
because my empathy now goes to the employees, the compromised nine to fiver who is burnt out, a new mom, you know, has some personal struggles, maybe going through some trauma, who absolutely needs wellness within their day. They lack sleep. They are anxious showing up to work. For whatever reason, they may just be in a, that compromised state. So basically, I, my focus is now on the person who needs a wellness break within their workday. So essentially, I help people and I empower people to put themselves first, even within their workday. So teaching people how to suck at deprioritizing themselves, basically. <laughs> right. You're not advocating for people to quit their jobs, but you're advocating no. how can we better within our workday. <laughs> yes. Exactly. What can we do as we're working so that we feel less compromised? Because right. those hours are the hours that we need the most help, basically. Right. I love yeah. your I love your story and you sharing that. Um, so speaking of wellness, what does wellness really mean? Thanks for asking that question because there are many, many um, definitions of wellness, but I am going to use a definition as provided by the Global Institute of Wellness. So wellness is really the active pursuit of activities, choices, lifestyles that lead to a state of holistic health. And the key words here are really the active pursuit, which means it's active, so it's forward moving, it's not static. And there's intention and there's purpose. And holistic means it extends beyond the physical dimension and into five other dimensions of wellness, according to Global Institute of Wellness, at least. And that's spiritual, emotional, mental, social, and environmental. So that is sort of the, uh, the definition of wellness that I have embraced. So another spin, what is corporate wellness? Great. So corporate wellness then is the active pursuit of activities, choices, and lifestyles that lead to a state of holistic health while working your day job or any job for that matter in a workplace setting. All right. Now, Jen, in context of Farm Credit Services America, what do you have yeah. to add to that? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think wellness for us is really about providing those education programs, services, and activities at improving our teammates' holistic health. And not just between the hours of 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, but throughout life in general. You know, wellness is important all the time. And I'm glad we're starting to see this shift in mentality of, like, leave your problems at the door, right? We know that's so unrealistic. Mm -hmm. If I'm struggling with, you know, anxiety, depression, or maybe I have a challenge related to my physical health. I mean, that doesn't just magically stop at the door when I get to work or when I get home. That, you know, follows you everywhere. So as an organ, excuse me, as an organization, it's important that we provide, you know, some of those resources and education to our teammates that they can use outside of work as well. As I say, the person who does laundry is the same person who makes financial decisions. Like you are one and the same person. You're not separated. Like you yes, said. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We are people, like, and regardless of it, yes, human beings, regardless of what capacity we are working and striving for work, outside of work, wellness permeates everything that we do, right? Yep. So, so today's topic for Clarity is we'll be discussing on the physical, emotional, mental, and social aspects of wellness. We touched on it 
Um, but let's drill in this a little bit further. Why is wellness so important? What are some of the critical issues we're facing today? So wellness is really getting a lot of airtime now, especially after the pandemic. And rightfully so, right? Mental health issues are at an all-time high. And what that means is that the prevalence of mental illness is really increasing. And statistics abound all over the country and also all over the world. But I am just going to refer to some statistics shared by um, Mental Health America, which is a separate organization. So 40% of Americans reported symptoms of anxiety and depression in 2020 compared to just 11% in 2019. And there has been a ripple effect since 2020, as we are all aware. And then 21% of adults are experiencing at least one mental illness, and that's roughly 50 million people. And then more, 55% of adults with a mental illness have not received any treatment. So this could be your coworker. This could be someone that you know not having received an actual official treatment anywhere, and they show up at work, you know, in the state that they're in. Um, another statistic, too, is like 5.44% of adults experience severe mental illness because there are different sort of tiers and layers in terms of the severity of that. And then lastly, I'm just going to share this one statistic because there are many. Over 12.1 million adults, which is almost 5%, 4.8%, have reported serious thoughts of suicide. And this figure more than doubles when surveying adults who identify as two or more races. Now, Natalie and Jen, we haven't even talked about gender, other factors, right? Geographical and all of that. This is just for race. But there are a lot of statistics out there. And the good thing is because of the pandemic, there are more and more researches and meta-analyses being done in terms of attributing mental illness and how people show up in the world, especially at work. You know, the happiest looking people are attempting suicide or actually taking their own lives. And the list of seemingly successful celebrities, world-renowned people who have taken their own lives is kind of getting longer and longer, right? So I just wanted to mention that kind of in a general sense. Now, in a corporate setting, there is a need to be proactive to not only address potential negative results. So if I'm going to wear my CXO hat, I'm a CEO, I am a VP or whatever, I would want to do this not only to, for, to address potential negative results such as low employee engagement, work abandonment, attrition, burnout, you know, turnover and stress, but really to address potential dangerous situations and consequences for the employees, such as suicide ideation, like we've talked about, debilitating depression, incapacitating anxiety so much they can't make a presentation in front of their teammates or things like that. And those types of conditions make someone work suboptimally. So it would be in my best interest to make sure my employees are healthy so that they can also work optimally. Now, lastly, from a financial standpoint, wearing my CXO hat again, if I'm a CFO, <laughs> healthcare costs are soaring. The increase was estimated to be $13,080 so $13, per employee in 2023. And Canada's not that far behind from us. And so these things that I'm just kind of 
throwing out at you. These are just some of the reasons why wellness is so important today, more than ever. And one aspect kind of informs the other and influences the other. So it's all kind of a, a chain reaction, basically. I would even say it's a circular reaction. It all feeds on top of each other. Absolutely. And, yeah. In all of those examples, I can I can think of peers within outside of the company to some degree, or we can think of family members, um, or you know, going through going through stuff that happens in life or experiencing these in different ways. Like life happens. It's it's not it's not a Pollyanna world. So correct. So how does FCSA see wellness and why does FCSA invest in the wellness of their employees? Yeah, that's a great question. I appreciate you asking. You know, I think the most obvious answer is kind of what Maude mentioned, right? Investing in wellness of your employees is smart business. Research shows that happier and healthier employees are more productive, you know, less absenteeism, those things that Maude mentioned. But honestly, I think for our organization is we believe investing in teammates' wellness is just the right thing to do. I mean, just on a human-to-human -human level. We want our teammates and employees to know that we care about them as a person first and a teammate and employee second. I mean, I don't know about both of you, you know, when, before you started the FCS America, but one of the things that drew me to the organization was the culture and knowing that it's an organization that clearly cares about its employees. Um, we're committed to getting continuous feedback from teammates to understand their needs and then, you know, making those investments into wellness. Right. As an employee, I know, I, rem I remember Apasio saying, I'm a, I'm a, father I'm a teacher you're like it not it doesn't go just beyond that work role um, it's us as people and I can really relate to the importance of wellness like you could we can all be functional at work but if if our wellness is not balanced or grounded it may take away from things that we do outside of work and then and then it can come back and negatively impact us within work and even if we're like highly functional, it's not always sustainable and it's so important like our our lives are short and our lives are short and we know there's real health issues and the time that we have people and things that people are going through um, that th it's so important to take care of our wellness and how we can be more present not get stressed and be happy and but still enjoy things um, just like one example is I remember to, to see it with the IT lens employee perspective. I remember like um, people were getting sick on our team and we were like dropping like flies. And um, we follow safe um, on in on our business technology floor. And at Sprint Review, we we're like, yeah, our capacity, you could see how our performance <laughs> was not there <laughs> because our capacity was like, it was showing it <laughs> on what we were able to complete in that sprint review, you know, and, and that's just, that's even one of the obvious things of how wellness matters. Um, so I know it's important, but like I said earlier on, I'm not the ideal role model <laughs> to follow about balancing wellness and, and prioritizing it. So speaking of that, why is it so hard if we know it's so important? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Oh my gosh, there are many reasons. And I'm going to start with science, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to make it highfalutin. And an easy way for me to do it would be to refer to a book that I had read in the past. It's called Move the Body, Heal the Mind by Jennifer Heiss. And Natalie, we can put this in the show notes if you want. But <laughs> scientifically, the bad news is the brain is actually working against us because it wants to conserve energy. So let's say we use exercise as an example. Our brain a capacity to do all the things, right? And in the past, this includes being a hunter and gatherer, wants to conserve energy so that anything you do outside of that, hunting and gathering animals, you use all of your energy. That's where it wants to spend its energy on. And this is a relic of our evolutionary past. This is all science. And at the, in the past, it was really absolutely necessary that we conserve that energy. So the brain sees voluntary exercise as an extravagant expense anatomically and scientifically. And it tries to like talk you out of that. So I think acknowledging first that that will always be there is essential. But the good news is after, like I said in my example, after we exercise, we feel good thanks to a hormone called endorphins. And that short-term euphoric state after exercise makes us feel good. And so trusting that we are going to feel good after the exercise is crucial. So we keep doing it because we're wired with a brain that wants to conserve energy. It's a conservative brain. So that's the science just as a start. And then there's a few behavioral wirings to blame as well. First of all, now we think that more time means more time to work. Oh, I got 30 minutes free. I will use this time to reply emails so my inbox goes from here to here. So we think now that because we have that more time, we have to spend it working so that we have to, we can be, we will deal with less of that when we get back to the desk or tonight or whatever time frame that is. That's just a behavioral wiring. Another behavioral wiring is speaking of which, we've normalized running on fumes. So if you look at, you know, social media, whatever it may be, this person who has three babies in tow, looks great, their hair is always glossy, runs a marathon, volunteers in church. I mean, this is the ideal person, right? Like, wow, how does she do it? But this person's really running on fumes and we've idolized it so much and we've normalized so much. And speaking of which, the next wiring is really not appearing lazy to our coworkers. There is still sort of this notion that self-care is selfish. And yes, it is. But I'm going to use the example of one of my coworkers. She used to take meetings while walking the uh, sorry, while um walking with the baby on her stroller. And she said one of her coworkers told her, "Hey, why is your signal, you know, why is it choppy?" And she said, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm walking my baby right now and all of that." And the person said, you couldn't wait until after you couldn't wait to do that until after the call. And what's worse, this is a man telling her. And so going back to that laziness, that laziness that we think self-care is, there is optics that we're always, always, always concerned about. What will people see in me? If I if I sit and meditate, if I go to this conference room just to breathe, if I take a walk. Five minutes by five minutes before a meeting, are people going to think I'm lazy when I could be doing something else? So optics matter, right? And because it's 
it's interpreted as being selfish and lazy. <laughs> and also with all that combined, then we think, okay, I'll just stay in my comfort zone. You know, I'll, I'll just be this person. And any change that I put in is an adjustment, which means it's a new wiring. It's a new thing you have to acquire. It's a new thing you have to learn. And people would rather just stay in a place where they're familiar but whatever that looks like, right? Maybe I eat lunch and I go to the meeting and there's nothing in between and that's all I'm going to do for the rest of my life, hopefully not. You know, so there is a sense of comfort. And then the last kind of wiring I'm going to mention is this wiring towards evidence. So again, wearing my CXO hat, I'm going to ask, oh, what are, what are the actual statistics behind wellness and performance at work or something else. And the thing is, whilst there are a lot more research coming up, which means statistics is getting better and more transparent and spreadable, the results can still be intangible and hard to measure. For example, I actually spoke with a VP who told me, you know, maybe the numbers look good because these per this person started dating. Maybe they had a new boss. That's because they had a new boss. Maybe it's not entirely attributed to their wellness practice. Maybe it's something else in their life. And that's the sort of the intangible stuff that I, I fight with almost on a daily basis. It's kind of proving that when we move and breathe, we take these breaks that we do during the day. That does make you feel better. You know, that makes you function better. But I also can't deny there might be other things that have nothing to do with those activities that may be attributing to a sense of betterness. And so that's why companies and people at the same time find it hard to prioritize wellness because of these sort of barriers of entry and these wirings that we have, scientific, behavioral, or, you know, evidential as they may be. All right. So, Maud. I can relate to all of those things you mentioned about the behavioral wiring, because like I mentioned before, I am not the best role model um, as far as balancing and um, prioritizing wellness. And I know it, and I know it's more important. But for example, more time means more time to work, check. <laughs> We have normalized running on fumes. I'm going on vacation soon. I want to make sure things have what they want. Check. I've, I've been known to offend that. Um, we do not want to appear lazy to our coworkers. Um, this one, because I'm so serving, I'm not as concerned about it, but it is subconsciously in the back of my mind how I show up for others. Self-care can be interpreted as being selfish and lazy. Um, so <laughs> this is where because of my style of always wanting to serve others, making sure they have what they need, this is where I am bad about handling the self-care for myself. But for others, I'm saying like, take a break, take a pause, you're okay with that. But I'm bad about doing it for myself. Um, and so how, how am I by action normalizing that so others feel like they can't do it? Even if I'm saying, take care of yourself, because I'm not doing it for myself. Um, kind of an example is, is like, <laughs> this is making me feel like, what are you doing, Natalie? <laughs> like, I'm commonly known, like, I'll lose track, I'll be focused on work, I'll be focused on code, um, and I'll tell my, um, anybody that I'm pairing with or mobbing with, I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm 
bad about taking my lunches, but don't feel like you can't go take a lunch. <laughs> but like, what, what is that telling them subconsciously as well? So like all of those behavioral wirings, I can relate to. <laughs> I love that. As I'm working through my lunch, go take your lunch. Just don't look at me. You enjoy your lunch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. You know, as we were talking about, you know, running on fumes and more means more and what can, you know, companies do to help combat that. I'll just speak to one thing that we recently implemented at FCS America, gosh, probably about a year, year and a half ago. Um, it's a practice we call BAM and it's an acronym that stands for Better Adjourn Meeting. And it really came about post-pandemic when, you know, things were getting back into full swing and our teammates were just, you know, experiencing their calendars, just meeting after meeting after meeting. And we were getting feedback of like, you know, I just need like five to 10 minutes sometimes before I just transition to the next thing, you know, whether that's using the restroom, getting a drink of water, or even doing a breathing exercise, you know, to, similar to what Maude had us do in the beginning um, of the podcast, you know, those five to 10 minutes are just really crucial to be able to transition to the next thing. Um, so we listened to that feedback. We actually implemented a change to our Microsoft Outlook settings to do 25-minute meetings and 50-minute meetings instead of the standard 30 to 60 minutes to, again, allow for that five to 10-minute buffer. And BAM is kind of used at the end of the meeting. You know, if we see it's approaching that five to 10 minute mark, people kind of say, okay, it's time to BAM um, so that we really honor that time to allow people the transition. Um, so again, just something small that companies can do that will really go a long way with your employees. Yeah, that's awesome. I know. Yeah, I know that made a big difference for me because like when COVID came, I didn't realize me moving from one meeting to another was my break. Um, and then you'd get exhausted, but I mean, even more having that deliberate BAM to go from one place, to take a pause, to take a break, it makes a difference. So. Yeah. You know, and especially if you're getting ready for that next meeting where maybe you're presenting or something. And I, I know for me, those like breathing exercises just help a lot to like ease nerves. So just having, again, those five to 10 minutes is, um, it may seem small, but I know for me, it's just so crucial. Right. Right. In schools, classes to classes, they mm -hmm. provide that time. Why don't we provide it for ourselves? Yep. Exactly. So that being said, what can we do to not suck at this? We've talked about how important it is, like why we have some of those behavioral wirings that don't help us be as successful with taking care of wellness. But how do we not suck at this? That's why we're here. Maud, from your experience, how can we be better? Great. Yeah. So my gosh, I going back to what Jen said about small, I am a huge proponent of starting your day with something small. And I say start for a reason because how you start your day sets up the tone for how you're going to spend the rest of your day. So when I say start your day with something small, what is that something? And I'm just going to zone in on two things movement and mindfulness. So when it comes to movement, what is a small movement? And I even tell my clients and my students this, if you don't know how to move, just name a joint and move that joint. So the neck is a joint, the jaw is a joint, the elbows, the shoulder is a joint, the spine is a bunch of joints, the hip, ankle and knee, 
just move those joints. Like you don't even have to kind of think about it, but name a joint, move that joint. And it doesn't have to be a long time. You can literally do it for 60 seconds and feel good. And that's why in my socials, every Monday, I do this thing where I post the mindful minute. And it is a 60-second follow-along. I basically do the stuff with you. And for 60 seconds, we breathe and move and it's you're done. And then every Friday, I do this five-minute Friday flow where I kind of demonstrate behind the desk movements that you can do while sitting on your chair or standing by your chair. And so the message there is really don't take a lot of time. Just be consistent with teeny tiny 60 seconds, 300 second time of, of um, time frame, like Jen was mentioning. So that's the movement part. The mindfulness part, I'm just going to zone in on focusing on breathing since Jen also is a proponent to that. I know, Natalie, you struggle with that, but I know you know how important it is by how we started this podcast. And I am going to say the breath is the biggest stealer of distraction because it's there. And so if you let your mind focus on how you're breathing, it will allow you to not ruminate in wandering thoughts and wherever other places you're going. You can focus as or you can focus on this thing that's already within you. And again, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, 60 seconds makes a huge difference. So you compare it, you know, to the IT world of agile, the scrum principle of doing things in small increments so that you don't have this big gigantor deliverable in front of you that becomes intimidating. Like, oh my God, I have to start with a 45-minute workout with my heart rate going to the orange zone. No, you really have to like start small. And so that's what I say, start your day with something small. The second thing I'm going to talk about that will encourage people to do something is this concept of NEAT, N-E-A-T. And NEAT stands for non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And I know a lot of people are smiling with the non-exercise part, like, oh, what is it? I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. What is that? I'm going to nail this. <laughs> nail the NEAT. That's right. Um, it's anything that you do that is not sleeping and that's not working out. You're not out there to lose inches or pounds or get your heart rate up to the orange or red zone. It's the basic things you do at home. You... Cleaning your house, walking your dog, going up and down the stairs, cleaning your dishwasher, things like that. These are neat stuff because it's thermo, it's the thermogenesis part of it. You're still warming up. You're still creative, some heat induction in your body. And that makes it really achievable for anyone, regardless of age, fitness level, size, ethnicity, whatever it is. And so I always tell people like, if you are so adverse to the word exercise and you're allergic, just do something at home or do something in the office. Put a plate in front of you, eat whatever in front of your desk, and then do the long walk <laughs> towards your office sink. Wash your dishes, take the long walk towards the bathroom, mm -hmm. take the long walk, you know, or something like that. I always tell people there are always ways to hack neat into your life. Like Jen said, you could nail the neat. <laughs> <laughs> And then just the third thing that I'm going to mention, and because I know there's a lot that will encourage our success, you know, in, in really starting to embrace prioritizing wellness, it's really the people aspect of it, like the social aspect of wellness, like we said. Let other people know and let them hold you accountable. Let them know what you're doing. By the way, Jen, before our 8 o'clock meeting, 7.45, I'm doing 
a mindfulness practice or at this time I'm doing whatever. Want to join me or do you want to be my accountability partner? You know, spread that word so that you don't feel so alone and isolated, right? So you empower yourself, you empower your teammates, you empower your friends and family, and that becomes easier for you to embrace this sort of new practice, even though it's a small thing. You mentioned mindfulness. Can you go back to that for a second? What is mindfulness and what is meditation? I'm so glad you asked because I feel like I use these terms interchangeably. And so I'm sure that's not accurate. So I'm really curious to hear <laughs> as well. Yeah, no, I'm really glad that you asked, Natalie, because these are uh, kind of swip swapped a lot. So I'm going to start with meditation because that is a buzzword, right? I meditate. But what does meditation really mean? Um, so in short, in a nutshell, meditation is really a family of practices that promote a relaxed, non-analytical focus of attention. Essentially, different meditation practices, whether it's dancing meditation, prayer, chanting, breath focus, they aim to train you not to ruminate in your thoughts and become better at letting thoughts come in and letting them go in a non-analytical way. It's very Buddhist in that way. But meditation was also created 5,000 years ago, and it was deeply rooted in spirituality and religion. And it was created in particular for a purpose of spiritual development, enlightenment. Okay, that's meditation. Now, in contrast, mindfulness was created 50 years ago. For the purpose of living life in this fast-paced world so that we can experience less stress, less anxiety, more peacefulness, deal with pain, mal maladies, malaise, illnesses, both bodily and psychological. And so mindfulness is really an awareness that arises through paying attention on purpose in the present moment, non-judgmentally. So meditation is ancient and a practice mindfulness is modern and it's what arises from that it's the quality of it that's why when i do not teach meditation i always just call it it's a mindfulness practice it's less intimidating and there's less expectations from people because people think oh to meditate my legs have to be crossed <laughs> i have to be in this position with my fingers doing this and i have to be <laughs> In a mountain, and there's just this, uh, the optics matter in their minds of what meditation looks like right. when really it's a practice you can do lining up in the grocery store or sitting in the car in the gas station. You can do that. And so I'm really glad that you asked that, Natalie, because these can be swip swapped a lot. Um, and to relate to that is um, in the IT world, there's a lot of us, there's heavy in the strength of analytics, analytical. Right. So with the mindfulness, it's very easy to get uh, think about what about this? What about that? What about this? And analyze it um, in the mind. But there are way it's it's ironic. Now I'm thinking about Alanis Morissette. Is it really ironic? <laughs> but <laughs> It's like, how can we be more mindful by not being so stuck in our mind? And like. And I know I need that with my with my tendencies and personality of like sometimes that pause, um, taking that moment to breathe, 
grounds me that I can be more present and more mindful and handle those mind activities. So um, exactly. It's kind of a constant juggle. Yes. And I, and I know there, I forget this guy's name, but he's also kind of a meditation expert, enlightened, you know, person who said, well, we shouldn't be mindful. We should actually empty our minds and we should be mindless. And so there's even that school of thought (laughs) that makes it even more confusing (laughs) for the regular Joe. Like, okay, so exactly what do I do? But, um, but from a basic perspective, I'm really glad that, that you asked and, you know, the more people talk about it, the more people are curious about it, the better. So I'm really glad that you asked that question. Yes, yes. And I love how you framed it, that this can be done by anyone, regardless of age, fitness, ability, and wellness experience. Like, it can apply for everyone, because wellness matters for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And even like, I know for me, starting off meditation or mindfulness, um, you know, I had this Thing that I, okay, I must meditate for 15 or 20 minutes, right? When it doesn't have to be that, when we go back to our conversation about start small, like that can even be, you know, one minute a day or just in between your meetings. And speaking of starting small, you know, one thing that I was thinking about as we were having these conversations that I was like, oh, I want to mention this. I'm very, as, as passionate about Mata as, as, excuse me, as passionate as Mata is about mindfulness and meditation, um, I am super passionate about Atomic Habits by James Clear Mm because it's all about starting small. And I really recommend it as, you know, to our listeners, if you haven't read it, is more of an operating manual to anyone who wants to, you know, start a new habit and tends to believe that massive success requires massive action. (laughs) Yours truly, (laughs) at least until I read the book. Um, Because he talks about, you know, getting that that 1%, right? Getting 1% better each day. And what I found um, really fascinating was kind of the math he shared. And maybe it'll it'll resonate to some of our listeners in the IT world, the analytical brains. But, you know, if you get 1% better each day over a year, at the end of that year, you'll be 37% better than where you started. Conversely, though, if you get 1% worse each day for a year, you'll eventually decline nearly down to zero. And, you know, there's a whole like representation of this on his website, jamesclear.com. And just like we could probably have a whole episode on mindfulness and meditation, I could probably have an entire episode on atomic habits. So what I'll just say is to our listeners, if you're, you know, interested and not sure where to start on how to start small, um, I really recommend checking out James Clear Atomic Habits. And I'm sure Natalie will probably put that in the show notes as well. Yes, I will. I need those, like, what are those little things, those micro ways to balance our wellness and the neat ways, right? (laughs) Yeah. And he even mentions, like, it's been a while since I've read Atomic Habits, but like, don't focus on the goal. Focus on your system instead. Yes, it's and the see, failure of your systems. Exactly. They're the processes that basically lead to the results, which leads to your goal. So that if you shift to what you're doing, the goal is eventually probably going to happen because you are staying consistent. So that is a very good book to, to refer to as a follow through to what I said. So thanks, Jen. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, you know, for me, it was put into such an easy, digestible, actionable format. Um, so yeah, great book. Mm-hmm. So we had talked about accountability. As a teammate, what can we do 
So for example, me being very servant team oriented, me saying, hey, teammate, I'm bad about taking lunch, um, but when you want to take lunch, go ahead and take lunch. Um, I'm going to have a working lunch. How can we be better that we don't normalize those types of things and be better there for our teammates and how we act? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, one thing that I love that we do at FCS America is we focus a lot on team development. You know, our organizational development specialist works a lot with teams. And kind of what I think of right off the bat is developing those that like team charter, right? What are our values and our norms as a team? Um, So if we have agreement on that, where we value wellness and taking breaks and, you know, using your time off, because I know at least for me, I can sometimes have a tendency to be a vacation hoarder, right? And have that guilt um, of taking time off. And I have to like, like, wait a minute, snap out of that. So if we have that kind of team charter and we all are have a shared understanding of what our norms and practices are, then there's really no worry about, you know, am I being judged because I'm, you know, taking a random Wednesday off or I'm kind of taking a 30 minute break before this meeting because um, we've all agreed on what those norms and expectations are. And when you talk about, you know, how do I, I know I need to be better at taking my lunch break, but I get so involved in my work. Um, and sometimes I, even though I know it's important, I don't do it. I know it, um, Maud, I'd be interested for you to weigh in on this as well. But I know for me, an accountability partner is, is huge. You know, I've even t- turned to my teammates and saying, hey, I'm trying to get better at this habit. Honestly, for me, it's staying out of the dang candy drawer. <laughs> It's like, (laughs) you see me going to the candy drawer, like, you know, challenge me on it because I, yes, like, because half the time it's just because I'm stressed or I'm just like mindlessly eating, like, you know, help me change that habit. So accountability partners have been, have been really helpful for me. An accountability partnership makes you less isolated. It promotes a sense of community. And when you promote a sense of community, you kind of become this more, what you're doing becomes more obvious, more transparent to the world. And then there are more and more people talking about what you all are doing and you're inspiring more. Not only that, but you almost feel like now I have not just to answer to myself, but to these people that I've encouraged, that I've created a community with. And that's kind of how accountability is a very, very strong um, motivator for people is like, I am going to do this because this person XYZ is going to give me the hardest time, you know, if I walk to the candy drawer or whatever it is. And we can put humor on that. But hey, everybody needs a friend, right? No one's an island, right? So it can it can only help with what we're doing. And you know what, I think the more you see people actually playing out some of these, you know, wellness practices, it, then it starts to become normalized, right? Like, you know, you the, I think the team charter is important. You can have that, but it's really takes probably those first couple people that's like, okay, I'm actually really going to like start on this for the others to turn around and be like, oh, okay, like they're doing it. Like now I know right. it's okay. And when I was at Farm Credit, Natalie, I know that was a while ago, but there were a bunch of folks who literally went around the parking lot every lunchtime and there would be one person then two people. And before you know it, there's like six of them walking. And so like you said, it becomes a bit more obvious and inspirational. And then you just kind of want to follow because it's normalized. Now it's normal to take a 15 minute break for a walk, you know, all of that. So yeah, I think until it gets normal, it's sharing that visibility and being more vocal with it. So it becomes more normalized, right? Absolutely. Got to start somewhere. Right. Yeah. Visible. 
I like it. So next part though, what's going to make you stick with this? Like we have good intentions, we start, we go with the, the micro, but how do we stick with it? Right. And that is a completely different beast, <laughs> a completely different aspect or a layer to it. And it doesn't have to be daunting. You're right. You have you have your rubber shoes, you got your sneakers ready, you got your alarm clock set and the weather is cooperating and you know what you're going to do. You're going to take that five minute jog, whatever it may be. But how do I stick with that habit? And so in my experience, there really are sort of two major things two major qualities that make people stick with habits. One, it has got to be scary. Second, it's got to be pleasant. So I'm going to tap into the scary part first. So it's got to be something, there's something in your head that scares you so that you are motivated to do the thing. For example, there's an illness in your family. There is diabetes, heart disease, all that is relatable to me and my family. And to be honest, that's what got me started on this journey because I really did not want to end up with my mom's diabetes and my dad's heart diseases. And what is visually imprinted in my mind, and I really hope that this is not too gross or disgusting, but my mom had a wound in her leg that would not heal and it became a big gaping hole. So on days where I feel lazy to work out or I'm just eating all the wrong foods, or if I work out too much and I just feel like I am running on fumes, all I need to do is to get that visual imprint in my mind of her leg. And that gets me to do the right thing. That's my motivation because that is a scary visual. I do not want to end up like this. It could also be something as um, tangible as curtailing this healthcare cost that's going to all my medical bills. It scares me so much that I would rather do the right thing, eat the right foods, exercise and all of that, rather than keep paying for high blood pressure pills, seeing my doctor, seeing a podiatrist, because now, you know, with diabetes, feet um, is, is a big indicator of how you are doing. Things like that, like it's, it's got to scare you so that you then want to do this thing. So you want to stay away from that sort of object of fear. So that's the scary part. The second aspect is the positive, pleasant type of motivation. You know, I want to be able to take care of my kids. I want to live a longer life so that I can play with my grandkids, walk my daughter, you know, down the aisle in her wedding. I have house projects that I want to be physically able to do without hiring a contractor, which could be expensive. So these are all like motivations, right? One's very scary, but one's positive and pleasant. But once you keep remembering it and it's instilled in your brain, it does help you stick with whatever it is that you're doing. And usually these motivations are very visceral. Like my mom's leg is a visceral reaction for me. It, sh it puts me back into my center and reminds me, Maud, this is why you do what you do. Now, finding motivation is a different story, but it's very individual. And if you can find that thing that you want to stay away from, that brings you closer to the habit, great, do that. If you can find this thing too that gives you a, a, a more pleasant experience, a happy thought, a great ambition in the future, do it. If it gets you closer to your habit, stick with it. And it's it could vary in time. Maybe in 10 years, I won't be as scared 
of my mom's leg, that visual, maybe in 10 years, what matters to me more is longevity. And I might have a different motivation then. You know, we can change in time, but the important thing is to find your personal motivation, whatever that is, that will make you closer and closer to your habits and sticking to the habits that you want to, that they intend to form. Yeah. And I am a huge proponent. We're talking about visualization. I know that's um, helped me a lot. You know, when thinking about who do you want to be, what do you want your life to look like? You know, you talked about some of those things like being able to play with your grandkids and taking, you know, walking your daughter down the aisle. Um, Vision boards, I know are really popular kind of visualization practice, but sometimes it can be as simple as like starting your day off, close your eyes, you know, think about like, what is your ideal life look like, sound like, feel like, like using those five senses to create that mental picture. And, you know, it might sound cheesy, but it's actually a really effective mental technique because it, you know, seeing yourself succeed helps you believe that it can and will happen, right? When you imagine kind of every step of an activity going well, what you're doing is you're kind of priming your mind and body to get ready to take those actual steps in real life. That is such a good point. Now it becomes more of a, I really want to get there. What can I do today to get there? And it sets you Mm -hmm. up for that success. I agree. Natalie, I can see your, I can see the wheels turning. In I your know, <laughs> like I'm, my mind is like, what is my visual scary? Like, like I know, I know the moments are scary, but what, how can I make that visceral to really connect and say, and like, and build it? So it's like, nope, I'm tempted five more minutes to do this or, oh, my energy spent. I just want to watch TV. Like, what's that? That's what I'm internalizing about how I, how I can find that visceral, scary, and positive, pleasant that will just keep me sticking with it. So, right. And you'll find it. All right. So in closing, um, Jen, anything to promote with wellness at FCSA that ties with all of the above that we've been talking about? You know, I think I would just encourage our teammates. Um, we offer a lot of great things at FCS America tied to wellness. Um, so just take advantage of some of those programs. You know, we have the Healthy Returns and SentFit, which is our health and fitness reimbursement program. Um, we also have five employee resource groups that put on a lot of activities um, that related to wellness. You know, one event that we have coming up is at the end of August. Um, it's a mental health kind of week-long event. We'll have different things throughout the week. Um, and it was really a collaboration between human capital, community involvement, um, and our five ERGs. So we're really excited about that. And they'll um, refer to the top story on July 27th for more details. Um, so yeah, there's, you know, lots of great things in the works and I think we're, I'm always looking for feedback. So if anyone has a great idea, any of our listeners who are employees of FCS America, like, please feel free to shoot me an email. I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. So. Awesome. That's great. I think that it's, it's awesome. And FCSA is just, it's such a great company for me to like, be nostalgic and remember by there's just a lot of good things happening at FCSA. And I'm glad Jen, that you're kind of in the forefront of that at ODL. Um, So for me, Natalie, at this point, I really hope our listeners have had a takeaway or two, right? Even taking something away from this podcast, start small, 
what is it that kind of resonated with you? And so in addition to those possible takeaways, I would just like to emphasize and reiterate that personal wellness does not have to take a lot of time. It just has to take consistency in small efforts. And just going back to sort of that agile scrum principle, really starting small builds your success and makes things more surmountable for you instead of impossible and insurmountable. It becomes like a plausible plan. And also, we're talking about the corporate setting. You know, we're talking about projects. The biggest project you will ever have to manage and the most valuable deliverable that you will ever have to offer is you. You are a lifelong project. So embrace that. And the amount of effort you put in financing a project, planning a project, executing and implementing a project, you should do that for yourself. Right. And the last thing I'll just say, kind of as a last nugget, learning how to breathe and how to move is really a life changing, life saving skill that we can all do. And just think about it. How many road rage accidents could have been avoided if either driver just breathed? Just think about it. If they just took a breath, so many road rage accidents are happening now. And you just think these are all avoidable fatalities. If only they just did not react that way and took time and stepped away to breathe. So those are just kind of the nuggets of last nuggets of wisdom that I wanted to impart. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that mod, Jen. I'm soaking it all in as how I can be better <laughs> present and prioritize wellness and breathe. Yeah, I mean, even I learned a lot on this podcast today just from talking to the two of you. So I just really yes. appreciate the conversation. Right. Me too. Yes. The same. We can hold each other accountable. Yes. <laughs> yes. Natalie, I'm going to start making sure you take your lunches now. I'm All right. <laughs> Let's have lunch and together. Natalie, <laughs> and Natalie, kick her in the shins. When she oh, I'm like, where's your candy? I'll eat it. <laughs> that's the visual that's very There's powerful. like a giant candy drawer and it is, it is like empty temptation alley over there <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> all right let's wrap up in the end i hope you take away something on how to absolutely suck at deprioritizing yourself it's important it matters to all of us start something small as it pertains to movement and as it pertains to mindfulness find your motivation and make it painfully obvious empower yourself empower your teammates friends and family. All right, that is just some awesome stuff. And we have some great influencers and expertise on this video podcast, Maud and Jen. So to follow up with that, Maud, where can people reach you in the socials and learn more about you and the opportunities so we can be better at wellness? Thanks for asking that, Natalie. I am on Instagram and Facebook as Yoga and Movement with Maud. Um, I am also on YouTube. Uh, I have about 240 videos that I have uploaded. These could be full-length videos. These could be also the videos of the short-term 60-second, 300-second movements um, that I talked to you about before. And on YouTube, my handle is Yoga with Mod. And I'm sure our show notes are going to 
have this information. And also on LinkedIn, I am there as Maud Moreno <laughs> because people remember me with, with, with that name. And, you know, on Thread, I'm also there as Yoga and Movement with Maud because, you know, Thread is sort of, sort of the new Twitter right now. Um, but I am not on TikTok and that is for a reason. <laughs> but those are, <laughs> that's where I am on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, um, Threads. And LinkedIn would be sort of, and, and YouTube as well, as I mentioned. So yoga and movement with Maud. Yeah. And I want to plug, because it's beneficial, there's stuff on your IG and your Facebook where you're sharing videos of how to be mindful. You're sharing videos of how to move for a minute or five minutes. And like, I see that and that's my reminder, I'm just going to breathe, you know, or I'm going to, I'm going to stretch and I'm going to flex. So there's, there's good content on there um, to be, help us be better with wellness. Well, thanks for doing that, Natalie. I hope to uh, I hope to see you do those moves one day. <laughs> I know <laughs> you're my positive influence there. <laughs> ah, accountability partner. Yeah. So the mindful minute is on Mondays, and five minute Friday flows are on Fridays. Awesome, Jen. Any last words from a wellness corporate side from Farm Credit Services America? Yeah, you know, I would just encourage our teammates to learn more about everything that we offer um, in terms of wellness. And really, there's a one easy place to go. It's right on Employee Matters um, on our intranet homepage. And there is a well-being site within Employee Matters. So it has lots of great stuff, links to our employee assistance program, the healthy returns program, and SempFit, um, and even talks about some financial well-being uh, workshops that we offer as well. So check that out. Awesome. All right, we talked about how anyone can incorporate this and be better about wellness. So we're in for a treat. Mod Moreno, um, we have a bonus track where you can, led by Mod Moreno, where you can meditate for 60 seconds. Just 60 seconds. It's a bonus track, check it out. It's a micro way um, that we can incorporate wellness in our everyday workday. Yeah, and I'm really excited to try it out myself because, like I mentioned, sometimes even those like short breaks between meetings, um, just to do that breathing work is is really impactful. So I look forward to it, Mod. Yeah, check out the bonus track. Sixty seconds. Wellness matters. Let's be better at it. Let's prioritize ourselves. And we can do it. We can do it's it. Not impossible. Absolutely. It's mission possible. And it's a journey, right? <laughs> It's always a journey.